We're in the book of James, and um, we talked about how James is the half-brother of Jesus. We've talked about how James uh, is also likely the leader of the Jerusalem church. That uh, At this time, I don't think the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15 has happened, uh, and that's going to come into play a little later to understand some of that. But I don't think that Acts chapter 15 has happened. I think this is coming a little before it. Uh, but uh, we're going to go through James in some kind of big chunks. In fact, we've already added a week to our James series because as we get into faith and works uh, in a few Sundays from now, uh, we need to stretch that out a little bit. We need to talk one week on the first half and one week on the second half. So we'll probably be in James the same amount of time that we were in Galatians, just to you know make it equal. Um, but today we get to finish out all of chapter 1. It's not a lot. It's just James 1, 19 through 27, uh, and I want to just read that along with us. Remember that I'll be uh, going through the CSB because that's where uh, I memorized it this past year, 2019, so that's where it's going to be coming from. Uh, but it's like this. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore... Ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless. He deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself unstained from the world. So where you are right now, if you're uh, near someone, a friend, family, whatever, just grab a hand. We're going to say a quick prayer on this passage that God might be with us as we go through it. Uh, Father, teach us how to follow you and live for you. This is your letter, not ours, but it was for us. And so teach us in this, God, that you might receive the glory. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so where you are in your living room, we're going to have a bit of a test, okay? Now, when the images show up in a second, it might change the way I look on the screen. We're trying to keep that from happening, but still might change. I might turn orange like a Oompa Loompa or something like that. That's okay, all right? So there's just going to be a little test for you to have, and you can even kind of respond, of course, in the notes. Now, don't be super, like, super holier than thou about it, because this is like, this should be just kind of an easy thing. I'm going to show you some pictures, and I want you to answer the question just in where you are, scale of 1 to 10. How religious is this person? So this is our first picture. Uh, we have, it looks like incense, smoke kind of coming up. We have guys in robes holding candles. They're, it looks like they're kneeling. Uh, so in a religious service, look, there's a Bible there, uh, probably about to be preached from. So just scale of 1 to 10, this image, how religious are these people? Right. Second picture. Oh, yeah, you got to have the modern worship. If we're going to have kind of incense in one, fog is 
the modern church's incense. So you got to have fog. You got to have some kind of ways that things look. The light has to hit it in a certain way because, again, incense is bad, but fog is okay. Uh, so there's clearly a sign that says Jesus, and people are really, really excited about what they're seeing. So with this one, scale of 1 to 10, how religious are these people? What do you think? I mean, you got one, this guy has his hands up. She has her hands up. Well, hands up, hands up. Pretty baller to me, so you know maybe a 10 out of 10. But let's look at the next one. Oh, this is a good one. We have uh, guys, guys in robes. This guy with it, he's carrying, this is, I mean, if you have certain church backgrounds, you're familiar with banners, but like this beats any banner uh, because this is, it's beautiful. And you look, look at the guys around it. I believe those are the disciples, the apostles, but we'll see. Uh, so pretty, pretty good looking, religious more than likely. Um, this guy is not sure where he's going or what he's looking at, but, uh, you know, scale of one to 10. What do you think? Religion, religious. Uh, and then finally, our fourth pick. Uh, it's just people, you know, sitting, there's somebody, This I think, that person is just like you, texting in church, so we're going to lose a couple of points on the religiosity scale, uh, but we have, okay, we, now we have uh, journals open, people sitting in rows, uh, really serious, uh, so again, we have our, our four pictures, and we're going for the religious test, who is religious? Well, I think for your results, you should know this, you have no idea. Now, somebody is going to kind of screen grab this and, and take it out of context. So it, I'm, I've already prepared for that. I debated whether even not to have this slide because somebody's going to do something. Uh, but you really have no idea who is and is not religious based upon those pictures because it's not about external adornment, is it? It's not about the way you look or the robes you wear or how intently you might even hold your Bible up or, and we're going to hate this one, it's not even how expressive you are in worship. Those do not define being religious. They don't make you religious. So it's not your external expressions. It's not your external adornment. It's not how attentive you might appear to be. None of those things demand uh, that you be religious. They don't make you a religious person. It's a hard idea for us to latch on to because we want to look at external appearances and we want to go ahead and decide where people stand with God. But James is not a fan of this way of thinking. And so we are going to be looking this passage, uh, this, this morning at this passage, asking this question. What's it mean to be religious? Truly religious, meaning uh, an, an adherent to a way of thinking and a way of believing, a way of acting. What does it mean to be truly religious? And that's why we'll take the whole passage, because James, uh, we often, and I think appropriately so, kind of zero in on... Uh, how James talks about our uh, orphans and widows, 19, uh, verse chapter 1 at the end of the chapter, verse 27. Uh, we look at that and go, that's true religion. But actually, throughout this whole passage, 19 through 27, James is elevating a certain way of understanding how things work. And what he's really talking about is how uh, we are doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. So uh, if we're doers of the word, that's what matters the most. And so this passage is going to be about, about the word lived out. The word lived out. All right, so we're going to start, and you can put these in quotes if you want to, but we're talking about religious people. So the first thing we're going to say is this. Religious people listen. Religious people listen. It has nothing to do with your external adornment, does it? Religious people listen. Like that. 
This is what I want from everybody in Genesis. I want you to have big, floppy ears where all you do is listen because that's what really matters, right? Look at this, verse 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to, what's that word? Listen. Slow to speak. I think Akers might have even tried to say it along with me. Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Now, we want to stay right there. There's one positive aspect, one thing to do, and two negative aspects not to do. So you're quick to listen, you're slow to speak, and you're slow to anger. So you should know this, we should know this, but if you just ask the question, what does it mean to be quick to listen? Quick to listen, it means that you listen first and you listen last. That's it. That your desire is to hear what's going on in the lives of other people, not to be heard. That's what you want to be doing, and that's how you want to be living. All day, every day, you are focused on your life, your family, your job, your money, your needs, your happiness, your whatever. It's you, 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 you. Then your friend Cheryl comes over, and she says, hey, can we talk? And all you want to do is talk about yourself. Isn't it funny? Because we do this in text messages all the time, where we might ask a question to somebody, and then we get a response like a day later. But they have to respond to our last question because all they really want to do is tell us what's going on with them. So I might go to Matt Brantner and go, hey, Matt, how are you doing? And then he's like radio silent for 24 hours. He's never really ghosted me that I know of. He might have, but I'm not really sure. So this is just hypothetical. But I go, hey, Matt, how are you? Matt says nothing. Then he goes to tell me something because he wants me to hear what's going on with him. But he realizes that he totally ghosted me before that. He didn't, re he didn't respond to me. So he has to first respond to me, sound interested, so that he can talk about whatever he wants. And this is just kind of human nature, and this is what we want to do. We want to tell people what we want to tell people, when we want to tell people, and we totally lose any ability to hear them. You live in your own world, and listening requires that you focus on others when all day you've been focused on yourself. Well, when we are listening, we are considering. We are being considerate. We're hearing those around us. When we are speaking first, not listening, we're making life about us. And often when we're speaking and not listening, what starts to happen? Because if anybody is in a relationship with anybody, it doesn't have to be dating, it doesn't have to be married. It's just if you are in human relationships, you know that a lot of speaking without listening leads to, boom, anger. Because you just get frustrated. You get annoyed. You get bothered by how people are responding to you or receiving you. Then you look in verse 20. Human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Well, if you were with us in Galatians, then you know that righteousness is our right standing, that we are brought into a right and good and appropriate and God-ordained status. Right? We have a new status with God. There's nothing hindering your access to him. 
And all that is because of Jesus' work on the cross for you. But there's not only one definition of righteousness. James, with a strong Jewish background and a strong ethical background, meaning he wants to live a certain way, he's looking at righteousness as God's way of life. So when we think of Paul, we often think of right standing. When we think of James, we probably need to shift that a little bit and move it more toward right living. Right? So Paul is right standing. James is going to talk about right living. Human anger doesn't accomplish the righteous life. Some translations say it like this, the righteous life that God desires. Human anger doesn't do that. So this first idea of being religious isn't about clothing. It isn't about looking good, dressing nicely, or being outwardly expressive. It's actually about diminishing your own expressiveness necessarily so you can hear what's going on with someone else. Hear what's going on with someone else. I mean, I dare you almost to go an entire week between now and next Sunday when we gather uh, like this online. I dare you to go all week and only ask people how they are and never give your own update. Just try it. I, try, I dare you, any moment that you, you, feel, you feel like you need to share something that's going on with you, to, to just not. And to give your entire attention for an entire week to what is going on in the hearts of other people. Not so that you can give an update about what you think, not so you can speak into their life, right? So we want to speak into your life, but all we really want to do is tell them how we feel about them, right? We don't have to listen to anybody to speak into their life, but if you just listen for an entire week, you will find your flesh is going to hate it because flesh focuses on self and listening focuses on others. True religion, being religious, is about listening. That's one. Then in verse 21, he's going to talk about how to get there. Religious people receive God's word. That would be God's gospel, right? The good news. Uh, It reads like this. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, meaning it is everywhere. It is in us. It is around us. it, It affects us all the time. Humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And I think salvation here, because James has a future view, is looking at that future time when the Lord redeems us all, where we are saved, and he, Jesus has returned. So James kind of has a, a, and I'll use eschatological, he has a future-looking view of salvation, not this kind of necessarily present view of salvation, which is often how we think about it. Bless you. So what do we see here? Evil's everywhere. It's in us. It's around us. And to listen to people, we actually have to remove, rid ourselves of our selfish desires, our evil desires, the things that focus in on us. And we have to humbly receive the implanted word. And and listen to this, because this really is how the Lord does his work. The good news exists, it is for us, but it exists and resides as truth, regardless of whether or not we adhere to it, right? What God has done for his people is true regardless. But through the work of Jesus and the Spirit, now that message has affected us and it resides within us. 
So the truth of the gospel has been implanted because it can't be churned up or, or manufactured from within because evil in us is so prevalent. And so the implanted word, the gospel comes in, and we then, in order to live rightly, even if we are saved, that we have faith in Jesus, in order to continue to live in the way that God would have for us to live, right living, we have to constantly be responding to this. That able to save your souls, again, looks to the future when we're fully united with God. James, and this is important for Bible readers and Bible studiers, James uses words, but if we just assume one word only ever has one definition, then we're going to get really, really confused, especially as we get into faith and works. We're going to be like, I don't even know what James is talking about here. So there's a difference, a strong Jewish background to what James is saying and why he is saying it. But as we get here, we have two ideas that are in focus for a good or a religious life. Number one is that we listen, and number two is that we receive God's word, that the truly religious amongst us are good listeners. The truly religious amongst us submit to what God has said. But then he's going to take that idea of receiving the word and saying, well, you can't really just to stop there. He's going to say receiving the word demands action. It actually, it actually demands something of us. So he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. You're deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone who looks at his own face in a mirror. He looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, that person, this person, will be blessed in what he does. So in verses 22 and 23, you see the reception of the word, humbly receiving the implanted word, does not stop here. You don't just say, well, I'm good because I believed something. What James is focusing on is that you also need to do what it says. So be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Well, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, really what you're like is somebody who doesn't remember what they look like. Now, if you look in a mirror and you say, I don't know who that person is, probably deceiving yourself. There's actually sociological research, maybe it's not sociological research, but there's research about uh, how we are, we are so easy to recognize our own face. Amongst the crowd, we can identify our own face. So if I gave you a list or a, just kind of a, a mosaic of 50 pictures of people from Genesis, Within five seconds, I'm sure you would be able to find out who you are. See, what James is doing right here is he's highlighting that it is ridiculous. Can you say that? Ridiculous. It is ridiculous that you would think that you can hear something and not do it. Because if you, can, if you hear something and don't do it, it's really just like somebody who, who can't recognize their own reflection. And everybody understands their own reflection. Everybody recognizes what they look like. But why does this idea even come down? Well, here it is. From identity, from who we are in the Lord, comes our obedience. From identity comes obedience. And who are we? you're listening or watching this morning and you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a Christian. You have been marked by him. You have been identified with Jesus. And along with that then comes the important point that you then are to yield your heart and your life 
to Jesus. So when we are reading the scriptures and we were understanding what we see in the scriptures, then what are we doing? But we're getting a reflection of what the life God would have for us is. His desires, his expectation, his heart, and his hope. And so peering into the scriptures and seeing what is there is for the Christian looking at what God would have us be. And so when we look at that, we need to then do what it says. Respond to what is within it. And this is true. You might be thinking, I'm doing okay. There have been times that I've uh, been nice or I've been charitable or I've been generous. There's been times that I've been happy. There's been times I've given my mom or dad a hug. Uh, there have been times where I've said hi to people, and there have been times that I've tipped big for God. Uh, so I must be good. Um, but you can also hear the argument that we always make, which is we want to self-justify to feel as if we're living the right way. And what James is about to do is just take all of that and say, listen, let me, let me just kind of point out what matters the most here. Let me just point out, again, we've talked about our listening, and we've talked about responding to the word, and we've talked about doing the word, and he's going to kind of give it a very concrete area, a spot. It actually is going to tie in with multiple themes that we see throughout this letter, and he's going to talk about that idea of true religion. And he talks about it in regards to speech, care, and purity. That's the way I'm putting it. Uh, we could probably put it better, uh, but the passage is going to do that for us. So we're going to go to the passage, and we're going to see what it says. We get to this kind of climactic point, true religion. And James is going to talk about three things, speech, care, and purity. We can go 26. If anyone thinks he is religious without what? Controlling his tongue, right? Controlling his tongue. That doesn't just mean you do that all the time. It means you're able to speak with self-control. What do we talk about? Like, like quick to listen, slow to speak. If you think you're religious, you go, oh, man, I was, I'm in church every time the doors open. I've lived for Jesus for so long. I've been involved in church forever. And you just go around and talk trash about people all the time. If you can't speak lovingly and graciously, and let alone that, if you can't just be quiet and say nothing sometimes, then do you really think that you're religious? That's what James is saying. If you can't control your tongue, whatever religion you claim is useless, and you deceive yourself because it's not about talking a big game. We so often love to talk a big Jesus game, don't we? I mean, we want to quote authors. We want to go ahead and let everybody know what we've read. Oh, I just read this new Calvin book, and it's just so awesome. And he said these things, and he said those things. Uh, it's not a new Calvin book because you know, Calvin's no longer living, but you get the idea. Uh, oh, man, have you read this quote by this person? Or have you said this? Or what's your view on that? And what do we do? Right? We can just talk a big game sometimes. And James is going to take that theology that so often we love to just think is the best. And he's going to say, listen, if you want to just talk all the time, and you want to critique other people, and you want to talk about what they're good at and what they're bad at, and you want to talk about all your issues, and you want to talk about things that you uh, love or things that you hate, if this is really what your life is going to be, you can't control that. You can't just be quiet. It's not religious. It's just talkative, loquacious. It's all you are. You're deceived. Because you can't listen to people. You're too busy talking to them or about them. And then he's going to take it a little further. 
pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That first idea, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, is where a lot of our attention goes, and appropriately so. I think we need to recognize in these examples that, and Paul would say the same thing, not all widows are truly widows. Some have uh, the finances to meet their needs. Some have a family that has surrounded them to care for them and to provide for them. But there are those in this world, orphans and widows, who do not have an advocate, who do not have a caretaker, who do not have somebody who's going to love them, who do not have somebody who's going to pray for them, who do not have somebody who's going to ensure their needs are met. The problem is, this is something that has always been incredibly close to the heart of God. In fact, Proverbs 31.8 says like this, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. This is not new for God's people. This has been constant for God's people. That God's eyes are always looking toward those who have no support, no care, no love, no network, no advocate. So why is this an aspect of true religion? Because it reflects concern for the way God has always been. Even before Christ came into this world, you were in a condition of spiritual poverty. We all were. While we were still sinners, Christ died. God, for us, in our spiritual poverty, was and is our advocate. He expects, then, for his people to be advocates for those who don't have one. Thus, caring for orphans and widows isn't lip service to God. It's actually living for God. Now, are you home, or as you're at home right now, you might even have opportunities to look after neighbors who have no network or no care or no support. Some of you have been or are currently fostering children who need advocates and caretakers, even if it's one week, two weeks, three weeks, four years. I have friends who recently finished their fostering journey of two and a half years by adopting a son that they'd had since birth, but two and a half years of caring for a child who didn't have a caretaker. In fact, I don't have it on the screen, and that's my bad, Matt, Uh, but we have an email address that you can reach out to. Uh, It's going to go to Matt, but orphancare at genesiscommunity.church is a way that you can inquire about ways to get involved in caring for orphans. In fact, you might not know this, but we have an adoption fund at Genesis that has real dollars in it, right? Not, not, Not fake dollars, right? Like real dollars in it. Because we want to try and find ways to support the work of adoption, be it through small grants towards adoption, adoption-related expenses, support for people doing ministry amongst orphans. This is the thing that we want to do. So that's just one way you could reach out and go, how can I get more involved? Orphan care, orphan care, just right there together at genesiscommunity.church. If you're curious about ways that you could get involved, or maybe you have an adoption-related Uh, question or an adoption-related expense. Maybe you're afraid and you go, there's no way that I could actually do this. I think this this has been something that God has wanted of us, but I'm afraid of the money. 
I'm afraid to not have support. I'm afraid that I won't be able to get it done. I'm afraid that everything <clears throat> that, that I need or everything that, everything that needs to happen is going to just get derailed. I don't know what COVID-19 is going to do for this. I, I just, there's so many questions. If you just need some people to talk to you, we have people to talk to you. People who want to hear from you and pray for you and help you be religious in the way that the Lord cares about. We want you, and this goes with Paul's language, we want you, if you have widows in your life, to care for them. And this might mean that mom or grandma moves in with you. This might mean that you are the front lines of defense for those in your network who need a space, who need finances, who need food. That You have to do that. And in order to do that, we have to be what? Humbly submitted to God. Because that type of work, this type of work is constant. And our flesh always rears up. And it's like, can I just, can I just give money? Right? Because giving money is one thing that we should do. But at the same time, I can, I can give somebody $50 or I can give a fund $1,000. And then I can go on with my life. This demands your life. It demands it. Because you're living for God. But there's another part, and I do feel like the, the last part is what happens. That's fine. Uh, that, that to keep oneself unstained from the world, I feel like if I could talk to this verse, like if I could, if I could create for it a personality, <clears throat> it would say, Hans, I come after the orphans and widows part so everybody forgets about me. Because they remember the first part, and they, you know, so I think it'd be, this is like the neglected part of James 1.27 that we don't think about it. But if you look at it, true, pure and undefiled religion is looking after the orphan and widow in their distress and keeping oneself unstained from the world. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, I, I think we could say it like this. It, it means being socially distanced from the world in the appropriate ways. <clears throat> it doesn't mean we don't care for people in our lives who don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean that we... Uh, don't we, we avoid people who don't know the Lord. It doesn't mean that we hide from them. It doesn't mean that we don't care for them, love them, support them, pray for them, share, the, share Christ with them. But what happens? How does a stain show up? You're interacting with something in a way that you shouldn't, and it leaves its mark. I'm going to give some examples, and you're going to go, hold on, not like that, and that might be the case. But let me just, let me just do this. You watch... A movie. I'm not even picking the movie. You watch a movie with your friends, and the movie has questionable content and not even defining questionable. You leave that time, and you can't stop thinking about what you saw. It's just consuming your mind. Well, what, what, what has happened in that moment? You've had an interaction. It might have even been visceral. And now, now it's stuck to you. It's here, and it's here, and you're trying to mess with that. And James is like, get it out. You don't need it. You don't need that. It's not worth it. Why? Because any amount of energy that is given towards, towards trying to handle things that we don't need to deal with or don't need to approach is going to actually prevent us from living the life yielded to the Lord that he would desire. Another example, your kids frustrate you. You're at home and you're in quarantine and you're, trying, and you're just trying to love them, but you can't because they're driving you bananas, but you have found that anger works. If I yell, they listen. 
And what I really want right now is just some compliant kids. So when you threaten them, they appear to obey, and then what happens? You stick with it. You've used an ungodly strategy that has now stained how you operate. I want everybody in this room to have friends friends in their lives who don't know the Lord. But sometimes you might you might try to think that you're just being like, you know, the super Christian. I'm going to go and I'm going to just interact and do everything that they're doing. And just quite honestly, in your conscience, you can't. So what you end up finding is that you start thinking differently and feeling differently and your heart for God has been muted. All of that is being unstained or being stained from the world. And James is going, true religion is living in a pure way, which is not something that we often talk about, is it? That, that there are things, there are places I shouldn't be. There are things I shouldn't think about. And I don't know what that would be for anybody watching this. I can't define that for you. I can probably define some that would generally be good for most or all of us. But I don't know your heart. I have friends who are like, man, I could never watch that. And I'm like, that? I mean, you know, it's Veggie Tales. It's not really Veggie Tales, but like, I just can't do it. You know, they, have, they have certain things, and they tell you why, and you go, I didn't know that. Well, what are you trying to do in those efforts? Keep myself from being stained by the world. Why? Because I want to reflect God. And any amount of energy that holds me down because I'm trying to comprehend or deal with sin is going to actually affect that. So this is what I want to say. People called by God live for God. That's it. We sh there should not be hypocrites amongst us, but we all are, aren't we? We don't live in the way the Lord would have us live or care in the way that God would have us care. And we should all be doers of the word and not just hearers only, but there are still times, and James will even say this, we all stumble in many ways. We're always contending with the ways that we have fallen short. And in those moments, we just return to the Lord Jesus. We receive his grace, and we keep going. That's what we do. Return to the Lord, ask forgiveness, and keep going. Because people called by God live for God. We have a new family. There are new house rules. It's a new family business. So remember this. As hard as it is, your look, your enthusiasm, your external exuberance and worship, we don't know what it means. We are unsure of what it means. Whether you listen, you respond to what you see in the scriptures, you don't speak up just to get your point across, you're not angry, you care for those who have no advocate, and you appropriately remove yourself from places that will affect your heart and your mind, parts of this world that will affect your heart and your mind for God, that's religious. But it's funny because we often mock some of that behavior as ungodly or, or just lazy or just, oh, well, you're just not being whatever. You're just not being assertive enough. And, like, it's not passive to be quiet. It's not passive to not indulge. It's not passive to say, we're not going to go there, we're not going to do that. It just doesn't help my heart. It's actually thoughtful and, and religious, as we might talk about it. Jesus changes us. He changes us fundamentally, and he changes us eternally, 
But also, he changes us simply for him. <laughs>